Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. A high-fat diet may not sound like a logical way to shed extra pounds, but consumers are flocking to the controversial ketogenics diet as a way to manage their weight, and in doing so, they're creating a new market ripe for innovation, but not necessarily longevity. Despite iffy scientific support and a plethora of nutritional red flags, the high-fat, protein-dense, and extremely low-carb ketogenics diet is predicted to be one of the top three IT diets in 2018, according to Paula Communications and today's dietitian's What's Trending in Nutrition National Survey of more than 2,000 registered dietitian nutritionists. The survey also calls out clean eating and plant-based diets as quote-unquote in for 2018 and low-fat dash and wheat belly diets as so-called out for 2018. Predictions that clean eating and plant-based diets will emerge as top one and two diets in 2018 should come as no surprise. But this is the first time that ketogenics has appeared on the list And for it to debut in the top three, overtaking the popular paleo diet is notable, according to Jenna Bell, who is a registered dietitian and the senior vice president of Pollock Communications. She explains why consumers are drawn to the diet, as well as its nutritional downsides, and how these two factors will shape the short and long-term marketing potential for ketogenic products. She also talks about the marketing potential of other diets that are so-called in or so-called out for 2018. The sudden popularity of ketogenics likely is based in part on consumers' desire to eat previously forbidden high-fat foods with abandon, and also on the success so many people had with the Atkins diets, which also restricts carb consumption, albeit at a much less extreme degree, according to Bell. Ketogenic has become so popular because, like I said, on paper, it does look appealing. Um, starting the day with eggs and bacon sounds like a great idea, and then following it up with, you know, having um, a fat-based snack, so looking at peanut butter and um, lunch being predominantly lunch meat and, um, you know, mayo and and maybe, you know, some something that's, you know, increasing your heavy whipping cream consumption or... Um, cooking with coconut oil and, you know, all those things look like um, something that people, and eating lots of nuts and lots of avocados, like these are things that look appealing to people. Bell also notes that some consumers may come to the diet out of desperation and hope that is based on the involving scientific understanding that fat in the diet might not be as bad as we once thought. If you consider when, when people take on a healthy or a diet change, whether it's for weight loss or wellness or, you know, some, some way that they're feeling, um, they're, they're in a situation where they might be feeling a little desperate, you know, like they want to try something. Nobody takes on a new diet because they're completely satisfied with how they feel and their current body weight and, you know, or their health. Um, they take it on because they feel like they have a diet change because they feel like they have something that needs to be fixed. And so, um, Keto has become a popular uh, test, you know, something something to try for whatever is ailing you. 
It's the same thing that goes along with, you know, gluten-free diets. If you're not celiac and you try gluten-free, it's because you're something is you have a problem and you're looking for a solution. Um, I think go back to um, people like the like some form of Atkins. You know, people looking for weight loss or looking for improvements in how they feel from their diet um, and and trying new things. You know, try, like seeing if this diet is what makes them feel better. Um, and so focusing on increasing fat, and I, I think that also, you know, with in the scientific community, there's been new debate, um, you know, the, about the saturation level of fatty acids and how they affect our long-term health. So while the American Heart Association stands by its assertion that saturated fat will increase blood cholesterol, thereby increasing risk for heart disease, um, there are reputable scientists that are saying, well, wait, not so fast. Like, let's look at this a little bit more closely. And then, you know, the looking, we're digging deeper into the different kinds of fatty acids. So is a fatty acid found in dairy going to have the same impact of a fatty acid found in um, red meat or coconut oil? So I think that the scientific community has gotten more interested in fat and that we're not, it's not all, not all fat is the same. Um, and I think that that then can lead to people testing out the impact of focusing on fat in their in their diet. Um, and I think that, like I said, on paper, it can look appealing, you know. Um, if I'm trying to lose weight and I'm feeling like I'm in a tough situation and I'm frustrated with salads or frustrated with lack of success and you offer up something where I'm supposed to have a cheeseburger with bacon on it, you know, albeit hold the bread, but put some mayonnaise on it, I'm going to try it. Like, <laughs> that sounds like something I could sign up for, you know, like for a short term. Did you catch that last bit there? The bit about short term? Because that plays an important factor in the marketability of ketogenic products. Bell explains that as great as the diet might sound to consumers in theory, in reality, it's really hard to follow and could have serious long-term health consequences. Practice, I'll tell you what, it is, you, you will be really surprised by how challenging it is. Um, there's been a, some work done on elite athletes in the ketogenic diet, and there's no performance gains. So it's not a diet that athletes will excel in despite providing their body with more fat as fuel. Um, but actually, it's um, one of the researchers that was doing a study on it, she said that um, the athletes reported not wanting, like, that the, the diet was so miserable that they just, um, they didn't want to maintain it. You know, they didn't even care if there were performance gains because the way that they felt, um, either from their GI function or their emotional state was um, not maintainable. There are downsides, obviously, when it, from a nutritional standpoint. Um, you know, people report being constipated, um, being having like a low-grade like acidosis, like having a high level of acidity or low glycemic, um, or I should say low glucose levels can really make people feel bad um, and also can cause people to feel emotionally challenged, you know, like having emotional issues. 
Um, you know, it's hard to say over time if people are able to maintain it, what the metabolic factors that are um, at risk, you know, how, the, how they will be affected by that. So when someone's on this sort of diet, they, they should be keeping up with their lipid profiles to ensure that they're not promoting an increase in blood cholesterol or LDL cholesterol because um, that could certainly occur with having such a, a predominant uh, fat diet. Um, obviously, there could be issues of deficiencies in certain vitamins and minerals. If you're cutting out carbohydrates, and that means you're not eating fruits and vegetables, there's going to be long. There could be long-term consequences. Um, you know, from my standpoint as a dietitian, I. I don't want to discourage people from doing something that may help them get to that next step of healthy eating, um, because, but I, I see it more as a short-term solution um, and something that might be a motivational, like a next step um, to, to like finding, um, you know, having some initial weight loss. I don't think it's a balanced diet. It does not include enough fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, I would be concerned with where B vitamins or calcium or vitamin D is coming from, and so that would you would require supplementation if you were if you're going to you know take this on. Despite these concerns, Bell stops just short of fully condemning the diet, and said she says even though it's a quote unquote nutritional nightmare, it could help people lose weight as a pattern that helps them learn to restrict their calories. So as far as there being a magical result from the, the makeup of the diet, it's probably not that. It probably does come down to calorie restriction. Um, but it is a successful way for some people to reduce their calorie intake because the diet, the foods in the diet may be more appealing to people. Given the health risks and the difficulty sticking to the diet, Bell does not see ketogenics as a strong financial bet for manufacturers in the long term. But she says there's room for innovation by fast-moving companies that are comfortable serving niche markets. There also is potential for companies that already target consumers who have adopted low-carb lifestyles. There's room for innovation because I think at this point, it seems to be very much focused on... um, more of like the fringe, more of like natural food market. Um, it seems to be found a lot in um, foods that are directed more towards someone that is has like a performance, um, something, you know, physical fitness, or they're looking at their exercise, they're trying to get an edge. So it's um, keto in that it's a, a protein shake or like a, a bar that's specific, so a snack bar for someone using the, the ketogenic diet. Um, you know, I think it's, and also maybe noting like a ketogenic pattern, this will, this will fit. Um, but there's, so it's more about having more low-carb products in their portfolio, um, whether it's, you know, cereals, cookies, or desserts. Um, I see it most in the sports and nutritional products, um, so I, but I think it's, it's growing. As consumer fascination with high-fat diets rise, it's only natural that their interest in low-fat diets and products would wane. 
But Bell says there's more to why so many RDs think low-fat diets will be out in 2018. The low-fat, I think, relates to the ketogenic diet because it did start to, it got a bad rap, and as, as it, you know, it didn't improve people's health, having a low-fat diet um, didn't necessarily, wasn't that, that winning um, lottery ticket that everybody thought it would be, and so then it, science started to explore loosening up those guidelines, looking at more of like the benefits of poly and monounsaturated fat, you know, making way for, I mean, if you think about low fat, that means no nuts, that means no avocados, that means no salmon. So then we started to realize that there's healthy foods that have fat in them. So it's just, it's gone out of business in consumer minds, but also in healthcare professional minds. Um, that's kind of a, a thing of the past because research has caught up to find that there are benefits to foods that have um, fat in them. So what happens is the pendulum swings is that now it's, it's like the keto diet is the, is the opposite end. It's, it's like the pendulum swung all the way to the other side because low fat is really, you know, has become negative. And so that means, does that mean then that super high fat is positive? And so I think that there is some link there. Um, and is it worth taking a, a look at um, where we should where that pendulum should stop, certainly, you know, why not? Um, but I think it's just one, the other end of the spectrum. So if low fat or no fat was a bad idea, is high, high fat going to be a good idea? Probably not. We're probably, you know, needing to fall someplace in the middle. But you know what's really not sexy and exciting is the middle. Moderation is like the most boring word that anyone ever said. Just because low fat might be out for 2018, Bell says there are plenty of people who are still looking for those products. I think that there are still people, um, especially those in like my generation, Gen X or boomers, that we are, you know, our generations are still a little bit hooked on the low-fat concept because it was something we learned so um, <laughs> thoroughly, even if we didn't have a degree in nutrition. Um, so I don't think it's something to completely abandon at this point. And I don't think it's a bad diet. It's not bad to have foods that are lower in fat. But like I mentioned, even, you know, dairy researchers are exploring the differences between, you know, is, is, should we all be drinking fat-free milk? And now it's, I think the jury's still out, but there are some that are starting to say, well, I don't know, maybe there is something different about the fatty acids in the whole milk. And so maybe we don't need to be cutting all the fat out of the dairy products you choose. So from a marketing perspective, um, you know, sugar is a hot button. Increasing fiber is a hot button. Low fat is not as popular, but as far as it being, it's not negative to have a lower fat product. So I think it will still, it still has a role to play. We still are not, you know, from a public health perspective, it's not going to help everybody to just um, abandon all of our um, our restrictions on fat. We, we might still need to have a low-fat product when it's, um, you know, a low-fat yogurt may still make sense for many people. Because it's all about calories, too. If you increase your, if we don't have low-fat products, then you are going to eat more calories. Any nutrient that increases, unless it's a micronutrient, is accompanied by calories. With so many contradictions in diet trends, it can be hard for manufacturers and dieters to know what to do, 
especially if they're planning for long-term investments or change. To avoid the whiplash that can come with following fad diets, Bell recommends both groups follow the same advice. I think this goes for food manufacturers or dieters, diversity and variety. You're just never going to go wrong if you have a diverse, even if it's like protein sources, diversifying your protein sources, having a variety of foods. You're just not going to, you're not going to be able to overconsume in any one area and you're not going to be able to underconsume in any one area because you have a diverse number of options and a variety of foods. <laughs> and with that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.